welcome to another Scots Way podcast. And today I'm joined by Ruri Joseph, who is the singer-songwriter with William the Conqueror, but now is also an author with his debut novel, also called William the Conqueror. And I'm delighted to be joined by Ruri now. Hello, Ruri. How are you doing? Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Before we talk about the novel, can you tell us about William the Conqueror, the band, and how you came to make music? Uh, sure. Well, I was a I was a solo artist going under my own name for eight years or so. I put out four or five records and, and hit a point where I felt pretty disconnected from what I was doing. It had become something of a job, I suppose, um, as opposed to why I what I got into music for as a kid, which was just to make music. Um, and I was very grateful for that to be able to make a career out of it. But there was there was definitely a disconnect there. I sort of have this memory of seeing a poster of myself and it was my name with my face. And yet I didn't really know who it was. You know, it was just a this sort of odd feeling that I'd lost track of. I, I think I heard I, I said this to someone once that I, I think I heard my younger self kind of sniggering at me, you know, for what I'd become. I'd become this kind of safe sing a songwriter thing um kind of by accident but it just didn't didn't match the dream I had of myself as a kid you know as being I was just well into grunge and you know he those ludicrous dreams of becoming like a <clears throat> a rock legend or whatever they, they just slipped by <laughs> um and I don't know yeah a disconnect there so so I was looking to do something else looking thinking maybe it was as simple as having an I mean by the way being a singer-songwriter called Rory Joseph, doesn't it's not that easy to remember. It's certainly not that easy to say unless you go north of Carlisle. Um, so I don't know. There was just lots of things in there that I thought maybe maybe just a simple name change or going under a moniker would work. And around about the same time, I remember having a this sort of vision. I don't know if it was a dream or just a I don't know like a daydream or something. I had a vision of a boy walking through a woods looking over his shoulder and the name William the Conqueror just really bright above it and I don't know the, the the image just kind of struck me as something that was worth investigating so around the source around that time I just decided to take the name William the Conqueror it seemed um, equal parts confident and sort of a bit idiotic which reminded me of my younger self you know entirely. <laughs> it's really interesting you say that because that idea of looking back at, at your younger self mm. seems to be in the novel as well. Was that yeah, yeah. something that inspired that? Yeah, so it all kind of it all kind of bled out from that same place. I mean, one of the first things that the first thing I started doing was performing like off the radar in pubs under the name William the Conqueror, just just to try out some a few ideas I had that didn't really fit into the solo thing I was doing, and that just became a fun thing to do. But at the same time. I thought I'd try writing a, a screenplay to go along, you know, to sort of flesh out this image that I had to had in my in my head because it seemed like the opening image of a, of a movie or something. And having like studied film at university and um, wanting to get into script writing, I knew the format and thought that might be an easy way to kind of flesh it out. So I was so I started writing this story and then realizing that it was obviously loosely based on my own childhood and started working my way through that, but the script wasn't really coming together and I didn't know how to write a book, um, but songwriting was a thing that I'd always done. So so the stories started to come out in, in song form uh, first, I suppose, and, and, and hence, you know, uh, sacking Rory Joseph and deciding to um, actually put a record together as William the Conqueror, yeah. 
So it, that felt it allowed you almost to start again musically. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a massive reset. Yeah, yeah. And I think like I mean, it seemed I don't I wasn't being like vain and thinking oh I've had such an interesting life I should really write this down. It was it was more that I become a dad so young. I was like 17 when I became a stepdad and 19 when I became a dad. And so I, I jumped from childhood into adulthood like overnight. So there's just no time to even sort of reflect or analyze my own childhood in a way that I suppose a lot of people do throughout their twenties, you know, before becoming a dad or a parent of some kind or committing. Um, it was only at the point at which my kids sort of reached the age that I was when I left home about 16, 17, um, that I started to, yeah, just wonder who on earth I was when I was 16, 17. So it just seemed like this fictional character, you know, hence that why the name change sort of made sense really, just to sort of view it all through through the prism of a, of a made up character, made it um, more interesting to try and navigate this kind of jumble of memories that I had that didn't seem to be in lots of vibrant images, but there was no order to it. There was no linear narrative, so. Yeah. I was just plucking out the images, you know, and it's which suited the songwriting more than more than a book, you know. I was going to say that you can do that with songs, you know, yeah, shots, yeah. Or, or I suppose you could do it with short stories or something like that. But yeah, that was a different undertaking. So, when did you decide that this is what you were going to do? Um, when the script, so the, 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 the I, hit, I hit a wall with the script because, um, I realized that the the relationship between the between the character of William and his dad relied so heavily on the music of Bob Dylan mm. that if I wrote that into the script, I'd never be able to afford to make it. <laughs> so, so I had, like I tried deviating, I tried like changing it so that the dad wasn't into Bob Dylan, he was into like obscure jazz and blues records from the twenties to so I could maybe, but it just, it didn't work. It was so reliant on that, um, on that relationship. So then I thought, well, you know, the, the story was kind of fleshing out and appearing to me more and more. So, so I did sit down and try and write a sort of straightforward novel, like once upon a time, there was a boy called William and, and just go through chronologically and see how far I got. I got pretty far. I got like maybe two thirds, three quarters of the way through, but it just wasn't me. I wasn't writing naturally. I was trying to emulate, you know, what I thought were the sort of great writers. Like if you had to um, George Saunders said a thing where he said he made the mistake of thinking that um, good writing meant for hard reading. And I realized that I'd sort of made that mistake as well. because I was trying to be like Herman Hess, just way overly poetic and trying to sort of wind my way through the narrative by, I don't know, this overly romantic or overly melodramatic version of, of things. So I, so I did that and then I, I printed it out thinking, you know, maybe I'll just leave it in a drawer or something and one day it'll come in handy. And I got it out eventually, but six months later or something, um, thinking I'd go through it and just and, and mark some mistakes and correct a couple of things here and there. And as soon as I started reading it, I absolutely hated it because it was so not coming from me. Right. But because I was bored and had nothing to do I, and I had a red pen, I started um, marking it as if I was like a disgruntled college lecturer that was just uh, having a nervous breakdown because his students were so hopeless <laughs> so just writing these sort of acerbic um, offensive things all over this student's work telling him that he wasn't being real enough or that he wasn't being honest and this is bollocks and you know this is so poetic I'm, I'm going to be sick and and all of a sudden everything started to come to life you know like that having this kind of secondary voice 
have an opinion about the romantic vision that this person was trying to have about their life instead of like telling it how it really was you know that's that's where the that's where the idea for the novel eventually came from was was making it about a dialogue between uh, two different perspectives on the same childhood yeah so there is a conversation that goes on you have got two kind of i suppose two narrative voices really uh, going mm. through it um so that is that just came about through you know you marking your own homework almost basically yeah yeah i mean it's you know like the initial idea was oh i could just maybe if i write a really bad novel but then show my self-awareness by having these notes written all over it maybe that could be but it, it, it you couldn't draw you couldn't string that out for long enough it was you know it would just become boring so yeah it was trying to then figure out what what the voice could be exactly and um what the relationship would be because um that that seemed like the interesting way to tell the story i think um because because i think i realized as well that yeah there's a tendency to romanticize or look through sort of rose-tinted glasses at your childhood sometimes and and actually things are just a lot more banal or um pathetic or whatever you know whatever the things were and that seemed really interesting to me yeah so because you've got this um kind of what's the word i'm looking for accusatory almost you know or someone who's trying to get to the truth of what actually mm. went on that yeah. kind of pushes against as you say the romanticized ideal yeah of, yeah you know, yeah there's there's like a dispute going on about which which parts of the of his of his um life matter and which ones don't um and that's that i th i mean i know that the, like the 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 linear structure of the sort of story arc if you like is very simple you know it's a boy who's 18 who decides that he's at a junction and uh, you know a, a, um and needs to try and figure out how on earth he got there by going through his life step by step right from right from his birth um but the but it's not it's less about that than it is about the the relationship between the two voices because they're, they're coming from the same person these two voices there it's a conversation with his within his own head and um so yeah to me the book was much more about about that really i suppose and trying to um yeah argue or dispute or um I don't, yeah, um, discourage certain memories from coming back, you know, because one that one one voice wants a certain narrative and the other one wants another one, and it it all fell together quite quickly once I once I'd found that you know device, I suppose. Yeah, and it, it's a really interesting device because it seems to me it's like the voices that I think I think we all have uh, saying, well, you know, either you're not good enough or you're not up to this or you know that kind of mm. that side of things, the kind of negativity, almost like something on your shoulder saying. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't want. I, I was aware of that, and I was sort of quite keen that it wasn't uh, wasn't just to, because that seemed that was the first place to go. It was like oh, it's like a devil on the shoulder, but yeah, it's not yeah, yeah, supposed no. to be that. It's. Um, it's, I don't want to give it away, but you know, part of the discovery of the book is trying to figure out what exactly the voice's motives are and why he might be um, trying to channel William in a certain direction and, and whatnot. And you mentioned that um, it's autobiographical in part, mm. and you know, without going into detail, I mean, is it really autobiographical? Is it quite close to yes? It's, 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 um, <laughs> It's not factual, but it's no. very truthful to the character, you know, I suppose. Um, so, you know, some some parts are absolutely directly lifted and then other parts are completely fabricated. Other times I might just like lend certain things to another character in order to portray something or, um, you know, modify it slightly or 
certainly like you know like the big things I omitted because I wanted to make sure there was some distance between the real me and the character of William so like I have an older brother but William is an old, is an only child yeah uh, William was born in 1981 I was born in 1982 you know just like little things like that so so that there's the definite distance but um but yeah you're absolutely drawing on on my own experiences for sure yeah Height, heightening in some senses and, yeah. and other times using the opportunity to maybe go down the road that I didn't quite take you know or, or that I'd only imagined that was quite fun um yeah yeah I think it's interesting to look back and almost on those sliding doors moments in your youth when you think well if I'd done that kind of thing that might have gone yeah differently. yeah and that goes for the relationships I think in the in the novel as well mm -hmm. I, I mean all the relationships you get there's a kind of real truth in those in that you've got people who one day seem to act one way and then another day are completely different. Mm. You start to think, well, is that down to me or is that my reflecting on them? There's all of these questions going on. Yeah, 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 100%, yeah. Yeah, because mem memory is a weird thing. I, I, re I realised quite early on, I, you know, had a couple of conversations with like my mum and my brother, for example, just to ask them, like, do you remember this or whatever? But it, it sort of sucked the life out of it for me because it was more fun to have these unreliable memories and see if you could make them fit rather than ironing out all of the creases of the things that were just that seemed odd or didn't seem to match it seemed much more of a it sort of suited my writing style a bit more I suppose coming from a, like a songwriting background where you where it's much more abstract and you're much more trying to piece things that don't necessarily uh, fit together if you were to hand it into a you know an English professor but <laughs> but they kind of fit um visually I guess does that make sense yes it absolutely does and I think you've yeah. talked a couple of times about the importance of vision you know you say you had this William the Conqueror and the boy mm. and, Forrest and all of that stuff and I should say that the for those looking at the video here's the cover of the book and it's got some fantastic illustrations on it and we're yeah. very important for that reason uh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, for, for one thing, it was just, yeah, another way of being able to get the character of William out, I suppose, because as a, as a young, that's his kind of retreat, I suppose, when his parents are getting divorced and his dad's illness is kind of taking over and he's moving to the other side of the world. And all these big things are happening to him where he's getting taken out of one place and put into another. The kind of consistency is his imagination and his creativity um which is kind of lifted from my own childhood I suppose like he, he could take a guitar everywhere with him he could take a notebook he could always draw he could always write he could always use his imagination that was like the consistent thread throughout mm -hmm. so yeah to have the illustrations is a, was a really nice way of being able to um, just enhance that idea I suppose that he was a very visual person yeah and there's also that sense of um you know how much of the of his memories can you believe as well because he mm -hmm. goes into these kind of not fantasy exactly but he does escape into creativity yeah 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 he does yeah big time and and i suppose in some ways like the you know it, a, a memory is only in your imagination whether it's real or not so what's the difference between a memory and a, and a daydream you know that you once had it's it's quite hard to to um, decipher them i suppose so i had a lot of fun with that yeah yeah and these aren't your illustrations, are they? Someone else's? No, they're by a lady called Liz Anelli, who um, she was living in Australia. A friend of mine introduced me to her. She mostly does um, children's books, but I don't know, there was just like this kind of dark edge <laughs> to them, um, which was really appealing. Um, 
so yeah she and the way she did it so during the first lockdown just to keep myself busy i recorded the uh the audio book of the yeah yeah uh, i put it out as a podcast but the way she did the illustrations was to listen to the audio book and just scribble as it as if you know in an in a notebook as if she was william um just kind of making notes about the things that were going on around her so that was a really fun process just just kind of getting back these pages and pages of these mad you know uh, off the cuff illustrations and piecing them together and that was really cool i really enjoyed that i de definitely something i'd like to do with the next book as well is like i like illustrations and um maybe it's because i've got a, sh a short attention span but or maybe it's because of the the current climate or something like that where there's this sort of slight feeling that the novel in its old form you know just just words yeah. needs to evolve a little if if it's going to try and survive i suppose the the short attention span of modern culture you know by having more illustrations and different ways of being able to display the narrative instead of just prose you know well, it worked beautifully in this case because, as you say, it's interesting to hear that she was a children's illustrator because they mm. are really dark. I mean, they yeah, really yeah. set the tone almost of William's thought processes. You know, you've got, yeah. I think the first one or one of the first ones is almost as black. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, the skyscraper on the uh, on the um, on the phone book. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're cool, aren't they? I, I, I love them. Yeah, yeah. And there's tons more as well. There's like maybe a plan to try and put together a book of all of the illustrations and tie it in with it, you know, like a like a picture book version of the of the story of the whole story would be cool. Oh wow, that would be. Um, another thing about the novel which jumps out is it's packed with musical references and other references as well. Um, it's these really set the kind of time and place of places. Was that? A good was that a fun part to do because I think it was something I would do. You know, if the novel writing the novel is difficult, maybe finding the references that fit might be more fun. Yeah, it was good to it was good to um, yeah navigate the timeline using using pop culture and whatnot. Um, you know, the films that are coming out, the films that William was watching, and the the music he was listening to. Like the grunge scene was quite a big thing. You know, in the early nineties for for myself and for William. Um, but yeah, it was important to me because I think it was more to do with the idea of um, William's kind of disconnect from his encounters with religion early on in his life, you know, like a kind of church going family and then moving to New Zealand and living in a very, very um, church or it was like more churches than super, but what, than whatever pubs in the town I lived in in New Zealand. Um, so often being surrounded by the idea of religion not necessarily clicking with it but something in his head understanding that there is a need to try and find faith in something somehow or um, find a way of being able to steer your moral compass in the right direction and for myself and and I think for William hopefully it was more coming from things like um, pop culture from music from art from films and um, you know certain like that that's the device I kind of used with with regards to Bob Dylan because um, my dad, for real, is 100% obsessed with Bob Dylan, like to the to the point where I haven't had a conversation with him in the last 25 years that hasn't steered its way onto Bob Dylan somehow. And for William, it was kind of fun to, because he didn't get much out of his dad. He was this kind of mysterious figure um, in his in his study, kind of drinking and being a alcoholic microbiologist, or whatever. 
um, the connection was Bob Dylan. There was something in the education of the lyrics of Bob Dylan. So like, for example, there's somewhere in the book where uh, William, when he moves to New Zealand and he sort of realizes that he's never actually, he's only ever seen one person with dark skin before, you know, cause he grew up in Cornwall, this kind of microclimate of whiteness. And, um, and realizes how lucky he was to have the music of Bob Dylan to kind of introduce him to, you know, Hattie Carroll and Emmett Till and Hurricane and Oxford Town. And then that bleed out into blues music and muddy waters. And, you know, so the importance of, of uh, music and films was, was, was that, well, that's how William was able to see that there was a world outside of his own kind of time, where he spends most of his time under his bed with his, with his imagination, kind of knowing that there's this great big world out there that um, if only he could, um, yeah, get through school, get, you know, become an adult, he could, he could be in it. And he, and he, and he, he thinks he does, he thinks he fully understands it because of the, because yeah. of the things he consumes. But yeah, he's, he's pretty naive, I think, as I said, equal parts confident and stupid <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like nearly everyone's childhood i think that's a there you go well you know yeah we're going for the mass market yeah <laughs> uh, but i think better than most i think you absolutely capture that a sense of how important the music and the films and all the kind of the books everything that you consume at that age can be sometimes for bad as well as good you know mm. they can they can uh, color your worldview and you think that's absolutely what i think um mm. but they can also give you a, a moral sense moral compass that perhaps you maybe don't get elsewhere yeah yeah no definitely yeah i mean i know that's i know that's what i was like i mean i'm it's slightly different now you know i've maybe got more of an understanding of the idea of faith than i used to have but um certainly as a kid that going down the any kind of religious route just seemed insane to me but um because yeah. i was kind of getting the same things without realizing it from from yeah the from culture i suppose yeah the church of scotland was just scary there was no <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was definitely what was going on um so you've got a lot of the music at the back uh, kind of set out um, I won't spoil anyone's things by by mentioning any of them. That's but right. that's another thing about the the novel, doing something new with it, something something else with it is having almost, if you wanted to, the soundtrack to it as well. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. And it's it's interesting because it's it's got like I would as I say that's another difference between me and William is that William's musical tastes are much more kind of zeroed in. They're much much uh, much more contained because I wanted it to reflect more. Um, the sort of behavior patterns of his dad and just how similar they were despite their the lack of interactions and what happened you know what does or doesn't happen to his dad kind of early on in the book that they had a similar nature in that they would fixate on you know a few things rather than have like a broad um, spectrum of lots and lots of different things so it's so it's Bob Dylan it's Kurt Cobain it's Eddie Vedder it's you know Neil Young there's smatterings of other things but essentially that kind of obsessive behavior I think was I wanted to get that more across than um than being more honest about you know I I, I was quite into like everything when I was young but um but Williams just kind of zeroed in on these few things and makes the mistake of thinking that well if if he's obsessed about the greats then that's all he needs to know he doesn't need to know about all the little things going on he just needs to know about the greats you know that was I think that's kind of Williams mistake like there's a 
he goes for a job interview when he when he eventually gets to London as a as a 18 year old he goes for a job in a in a record shop kind of thinking that he's going to be the Quint, you know like Quentin Tarantino famously worked in a video store and was just a geek and that's how he's so good at making films William has this idea that he's going to be the sort of same but in the musical world just be this guy that knows everything about music but he goes for this interview in a record shop and the, the premise is very simple you know they um they read out an album title and all William has to do is say who made it and um he hasn't got a fucking clue <laughs> and that was that was real that that was based on an absolute that's almost as verbatim as I could have possibly made it was that experience of um suddenly da it dawning on me <laughs> that I didn't have a clue about um about music at all you know it was just because of the, that limited focus um you know there's a I, th I didn't quite get that this was a joke I added, but um, the idea that he thought Rumours was made by Led Zeppelin uh, and that he'd never really heard of Fleetwood Mac, you know. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was a fun bit. But that's, I mean, again, that's the kind of naivety of youth thinking that, uh, yeah, you know it all, and then you suddenly yeah, you know, you yeah. get into the adult but world in inverted commas and you realise you really don't. Totally, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. That's why the name William the Conqueror fits so well, because it's just it's so so brash and forward, and and yet it's just so ridiculous. It's just you know, it's like he hasn't twigged that that might be jarring to some people. That there might be is there not someone else called William the Conqueror? No, no, no. I'm William the Conqueror. I think you'll find you know it's uh, yeah. And it seems that throughout the novel, it's cathartic for William to look back on his childhood and kind of discover and discuss even, you know, what went on and why he's got to this place. Was it the same for yourself writing it? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it, because it was that that leap before, or, the, or not really a leap, just like going from childhood into adulthood in my life, trying to pinpoint a place where I must have made some kind of moral decision about which direction I should be going in and it's trying to kind of zero in on that and that's where the setup for the book obviously it's, it opens in London when he's in the he's living in this squat in a high-rise staring out of the window coming down off you know whatever uh, substances he's put inside himself you know I, I do remember a something very similar with myself um and yeah, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was that steered me in the right direction, but there was certainly a point in my life where I could have easily gone down, you know, uh, the wrong route, I think. Like just being unaware at the time, but now knowing that, um, you know, addiction and from talking about my dad's alcoholism and that obsessive behavior and all of those traits quite easily send you down the wrong path, you know, um, naively or unintentionally, but, I just feel like I got really, really lucky. Something about how my character had been built, which must have only been through what my imagination and and the the records I was listening to and the books and the films I was reading and watching. Something something just steered me in the right way. I don't know. Like I don't necessarily believe in a higher power, but something something steered me in the right, in the right direction, and here I am. But, but uh, even yeah. the idea that the music you listen to or the books you read or the films you watch, whatever, that um, weird uh, mixture that it took you in the right direction. It's, it's a mm. lovely, it's a really nice thought, I think, that, yeah, you, you chose wisely, that your taste, yeah. it's almost the definition of taste. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe maybe that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was an interesting idea to me that that somebody could be, um, you know, obsessed with Kurt Cobain, like completely on a pedestal, just an absolute hero, and then also have a father figure in their life who is also like, they don't see much of, but is also a hero, you know, and worshipped and on a pedestal, and and then Kurt Cobain shoots himself in the head, and somehow that could almost be seen as cool you know the, the, mm. the sort of weirdness around that whole idea of what a, wow he's so mysterious and he's so cool for killing himself and and then um your own parent attempting suicide and that being this really jarring thing of like well now what do i think because yeah. on the one hand it's kind of cool and on the other hand i can see that it really isn't and all this kind of trauma that's kind of sitting in now and that was a that was an idea I was kind of exploring. Certainly in the early parts of the book, is how do you reconcile that? You know, when when your heroes uh, make mistakes and um, show themselves to be human um, and do things that you don't necessarily agree with, or you know, how do you reconcile that? It's um, yeah, and that stuff comes out in the songs as well. There's a song called Pedestals, which is all about that on the first album. And yeah, I mean that's it, isn't it? When when kind of real life comes crashing in, especially if you've you know, almost cocooned your life with other things, whether it's mm. music or whatever. And then, you know, often, you know, you you read reading something or listening to something or watching something is is there's a level of removal before the kind of real life sometimes can crash. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Take on it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the book itself is um, it's published by Blue Raincoat Books. Mm-hmm. Now that's your music publisher, isn't it? That's your. It is. Label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this the first book they've done? I believe it is. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, I, t it, I didn't. No one asked me to write the book. This was just a thing that I was kind of working on between the hours of midnight and four o'clock in the morning for several years, or, or not several, but you know, however many years. And um, I didn't really tell anyone about it. You know, maybe I've discussed it with my band or told them I was doing it, but oh yeah, you know. I've heard plenty of people say I'm going to write a novel, <laughs> you know. But um, so it was just kind of there in the background, and at a certain point, it just just seemed to manifest into this place where it fit with the records yeah. in some way. Because like the albums, so we've made three albums so far as William the Conqueror, and the first one was the child, and the second one was the father, and the third one was the mother. So they were this trilogy that kind of tell the story of. Williams slash my childhood in, in song form. And then the book was just like an added another dimension to it because I suppose in in if you read the book and listen to the music, you'll you'll see where certain songs come from, even even like direct lyrics come from certain places. Yeah. And yeah, they were they got quite excited about the idea of of tying it all up into one big bundle, you know. So you have this trilogy of albums plus the book and it all fits together in a in a package. So it's cool. I mean, hats off to them for um, you know, taking on something new and trying something different. Yeah, it's awesome. I Very think lucky. Great because it's all it's interesting. I think when there's new publishers or people are publishing stuff that maybe don't usually, because you always get something new from it. You know. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. New thought about how to to um, you know put it out there. You know, mm -hmm. as you see, you've got the music in the book, you've got the illustrations, which might not have happened with a 
more traditional publisher they might have yeah wanted. maybe not yeah maybe not i mean maybe yeah it wouldn't have been published at all <laughs> i don't know you know i'm a sort of unknown writer and it's it's not like i say written as a in um a, a, a normal novel format i don't know i don't know much about the publishing industry i'm trying to learn as i go yeah. and um yeah it seems interesting to me but uh yeah like i say i just i feel pretty lucky to have to have met blue raincoat and for them to have so much faith in me it's it's awesome i'm very lucky yeah and i think you mentioned this earlier but i was going to ask now that you've done the first one is there going to be another novel mm. Yes. <laughs> you can't say anything about it. <laughs> uh, no, I, no, I absolutely can. It's it, like the, so. The first novel finishes around because it's told from the point of view of William, who is an eighteen-year-old, eighteen, about to be nineteen in the novel. So, so kind of like the first twenty years of his life. I'm now forty, so there's this other twenty years of my life that I've had, and I was wrestling with the idea of thinking, well, I could just write a, a sequel, just kind of carry this on, but that didn't that didn't seem right. So. The, I've just finished it, by the way, and I won't say too much about it, other okay. than that if the first, a way, a way of thinking about it would be that if the first book is called William the Conqueror and it's by Rory Joseph, you could think about the second book as being called Rory Joseph by William the Conqueror. So it's more playing with the kind of idea of identity, you know, or, or dissonance between um, creator and the, their creation, if you know what I mean, like a, a kind of split expanding on the split personality kind of stuff from the first book but um, doing it in a different way working backwards towards 20 from 40 rather than chronologically it's quite mad and it's quite meta <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun I, it's, you know I, I just I decided it, it took me about five years to write the first one all in all including like the, the, the failed script and the failed book and in between making the albums but five years is too long to take to write a novel if you're going to actually be a writer Five years is too long. That's no good. So I set myself the goal of, of writing a novel in a year. Um, and I'm very pleased to say I managed that. And I'm, and I'm pretty happy with it too. It's very different to the, to the first book, but I shouldn't really be talking about it, should I? <laughs> well, again, this is one of those things that I said we can take out if you really wanted to. Oh, no, no, no. It's not like that. It's not like that. It's just it, what's weird is like everything, everything that when it exists in your head, the, the kind of idea is perfect. And the minute you start trying to talk about it and articulate, like when you wake up from a dream that was seemed really vivid, you try and explain it to someone and it's like the thing just dissolves on contact with air. So whenever I start talking about new ideas or things that I haven't spoken to too many people about, that's that's the feeling you're going through. It's just like, <laughs> you're kind of losing touch of it and you're just trying to gather it all back in and cram it back into my head and just make sure it's all in place. and figure out exactly how I'm going to articulate it before I, before I attempt it. It's maybe not a very good way to go, but that's how I do it. That's how I do things. And it does sound as well that there's still conversations going on if you're switching the, the role. Of yeah, the, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, there's a definite, there's a definite like divide between Rory and William, you know, I mean, it'd be like the most clear cut version is that when like I stand on stage and sing, I feel like I'm, you know, embodying William, I suppose, to some extent, or if I'm writing on my own out in the shed, anything where I'm like completely on my own, but being creative and trying to get into that some sort of zone that no one else is included in, that's when I'm, when it's William. And then the rest of the time on Rory Joseph, and then it gets confusing sometimes, especially when you're writing a book about those kinds of things, because everything in the, in the, the real world starts to infiltrate your, your thoughts. And you could be having a conversation with somebody and then realize 
deep into it that you haven't really been paying attention to the conversation you've been thinking about i wonder if i can use this in my book you know i wonder if this i wonder if there's any way i can incorporate this and so then then, <laughs> then you know it's kind of time to write i need to finish this book and yeah. try and reassemble my brain again yeah um so that's have you got a publication date for that or is that too far in, in oh no 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 not at the moment no because because we're so we've just we released the third album in the trilogy but now we've got the fourth album as the band ready to record so we're going to try and get that recorded this year and hopefully out but the book will sit with that so it won't be one book and three albums it'll be one book and one album that will kind of go yeah. together they might even have the same name just so there's a much more direct contact between them so there's like less explanation to try and have to do um but that's just been the nature of the project it's like was more like the whole the whole point of inventing William at the start was that everything that happened to him had to be organic it wasn't like there was this big vision or anything it was just like roll along and see what happens and certain points where you gather tons of momentum and you you know you're you're doing loads of music and then a big drop off in that and so you you touch base with the book and it's just kind of reached this point where now you now you can see the package but it wasn't necessarily planned that way so for the second one i'm going to make a more concerted effort to make sure i tie it in from the beginning um <laughs> man I, i'm waffling <laughs> well no it's interesting because for a moment when i asked you when it might be coming out i forgot uh, you were also a musician for a moment yeah <laughs> yeah and you've got two and i think a um the new album or the most recent album maverick thinker you're going to yeah. be doing that event i mean finally when gigs are allowed again yeah yeah we've we've kind of been touring it so that like the, the we we put it we decided to put it out um in 2020 so it did come out oh no it may even be been 2021 maybe it came out yeah the beginning of 2021 so we have put the album out and every show that we've done which is like um a couple of little tours a few a sort of handful of festivals the tour we were just on recently we had to cancel the last few dates because the band got covid which was a bummer but but it, you know that's essentially been about yeah promoting if you like maverick thinker but um but then i i say that but it's not like we're some you know corporate machine that's out there plugging this one thing you know the yeah the, the whole of the William thing is important. So even to the point where we talk about the book on stage and, you know, I might read little extracts and play songs from the first album, the second album. It's not, it's not like we're just out there plugging the, plugging the third one or anything. Yeah. It's a so, universe. We're trying to sell a universe, you know. <laughs> William the Conqueror universe. And are you, I mean, are you happier? Are you more content? Would the younger you be happier with William the Conqueror rather than where you had been with Rudy Joseph? I think in terms of the work, yeah, for sure. I think that was that was what it was about, was trying to appease my younger self to some extent. Um, even from this like the simple thing of and, and also mirroring the, the the obviously I'm not Bob Dylan, but moving from acoustic to electric, so something in that, you know, uh, and just being a bit louder, not being afraid to sing about the things that are really going on in my head instead of trying to I, I think as a singer-songwriter, because I only had a I had a loyal fan base, but quite a small one, but it meant that when it came to making a record that I was going to go out and promote, I had to consider that, you know, I had to think, okay, well, I've got to keep them on side. I'd better make something that sounds like this or sounds like that. And that's where the, that's where I started to lose touch with it because I realized I wasn't really doing it. Um, 
from myself or sounds a bit vain to say I wasn't doing it for myself as if it's like it's only about me it's not I just think like if you're going to be an artist of any kind it has to come from the right place and if and if what you're doing is trying to pander to an audience even if they are a lovely bunch of loyal people that help you maintain a living it's not it's not really art anymore it's more more of craft it's more of like technique or there's something else to it so um so yeah william would be delighted with with um with the with the products that we've made i suppose but um i don't know i like i look sort of at a point now where i look back on rory joseph and think well maybe his music wasn't as good but he was a lot more mellow <laughs> he was a lot he was a lot more chilled as a person you know he wasn't like pulling his hair out and hadn't turned himself into a complete and utter introvert by you know uh, just going out to his shed between the hours of 12 and 4 in the morning trying to create something out of his own childhood yeah there was a, there was it, it's been maddening at some at, at points for sure <laughs> so there's still a little that, but that's what the second book is about the second book is about trying to reconcile that you know you create this thing that helps you in one respect come to terms with things build a career all that sort of stuff but what's it taking away from and you know the obvious thing that it takes away from is is the family the a sense of normality you know, kind of you know because it's more touring it's more work it's more creation it's more um, selfishness it's all of those things and so yeah the second book deals with that reconciliation i suppose well, identity crisis you know all that i shit. was going to say i mean in the book and in in, in your william the conqueror music you are digging into things which are pretty deep so you know yeah. there will be uh you know a reaction from that but you would hope at the end that uh you know you get out of the side of it oh yeah yeah no i think i'll be all right i think i'll be all right <laughs> yeah and and also what you hope is that the that what you're creating is coming from um a place that's honest enough that people will be able to make their own interpretations Absolutely. and take what they want from it rather than it being spoon-fed to them hey this is about this and this is what you're supposed to get it's um yeah you, so the idea is you make the thing you present it people either dig it or they don't and that's yeah. that's what you have to live with yeah absolutely mm. well i think people will because i think it's a fantastic novel i really really thank you it. man that really means a lot thank you that's great and it's also been great to discover uh, new music as well through yeah. it yeah oh, so you so you came to the book first yeah i came to the book ah first. interesting interesting because yeah. there's not many of you i don't i suppose there's less of you than there are the other way around oh, you know oh yeah because because we've been going as a band for like five years now and so our fan base have kind of picked up the book already knowing the music kind of looking for the clues and stuff but uh, yeah it's always interesting to talk to someone that's come book first and music second that is interesting yeah i've been really been enjoying both awesome well thanks very much for taking the time to have a chat really, really thank you man i hope it was all right that was great Good. and we'll be back soon with someone completely different <laughs>